5280 Church Podcast, because everyone needs more hope, genuine community, and a clearer picture of God's love. Hi there, and welcome into 5280 Church Podcast. 5280 Church is a startup in the Berkeley community of Denver, Colorado, and our goal is to create a community that's very open and safe, um, where you can ask your hard questions and not feel judged, where you can come together as friends and family, um, worship together, play together, and just have fun together. In our current series, What The? We are doing just that, diving into difficult questions that we might find about the Bible, about God, and finding the deeper truths. If God is good, why is there evil in the world? Can the Bible be trustworthy? Was Jesus a savior or just a good man? We have a Q&A at the end of each session, and we would invite you to interact with us there on Facebook. Ask your questions, leave a comment, give us a like, follow and share, but most of all, become a part of our community. And without further ado, we answer another question. So our question this morning is, why does God send good people to hell? Yay. <laughs> so it's going to be deep on, so let's buckle up, because uh, we're going to dive into this together. Um, I also encourage somewhat response. I will ask questions. They're not rhetorical. If you feel the need to answer and yell out or put up your hand or whatever, that's cool. Um, I'm also from New Zealand, so some words I pronounce a little weird. Um, so if you don't understand what I just said, throw your hand up, I'll repeat it in the best American accent I can. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off nice and uh, easy, I guess. We're going to break this down a little. This question of why does God send good people to hell has a few assumptions. It assumes things in the question itself. So assumption number one that there are good people. That's a really rough statement, isn't it? That's a rough thing to say. That's an assumption. Um, that's brutal. But please, please hang on with me, because we're going to have to go in this together. Let's break that down a little further. How do you define good? You can say um, helping starving children. That's a good thing to do. And you can say that uh, you know, it's good to catch up with friends, but how do you define good in the context of a person? To say someone's a good person, how do you define good in that context? Do we all have the same definition of good? I mean, we can watch Congress and they can't decide on most things, and that's their job is to decide on things. We can have committees at non-profit organizations or uh, board of trustees at mil- billion dollar companies. And they struggle to decide on things. So in this room, in this city, in this state, in this country, in this continent, in this hemisphere, on this planet, can we decide universally what good in this context means? I don't think we can. I don't think humanity can come together and say, this is exactly what good means in the context of a good person. We can get close. We can, we can say that uh, you know, these things are good things that a person can have. 
and these are bad things, we can do it. But to nail that down is a very hard thing for us to do. So, let's continue with that assumption. Let's say we can. Let's assume that we can nail down good, and I can get volume back. <laughs> and um, if we can nail out that assumption, what makes us good? What would make us good? Is it what we do? Is it our actions? Does that make us good? Is it our works as such? Is it our intentions? Do our intentions in doing good things make us good people? I think there's a saying about good intentions paving a path to somewhere bad, but we'll leave that one for another day. But it does seem though that good as a, as a, as a human concept, as a, as a definition, it's somewhat subjective, isn't it? Because you and I will have somewhat different meanings on what good is. Uh, a favorite quote of mine from C.S. Lewis, if there was no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know it was dark. Dark would be a word without meaning. I love that logic, that philosophy. C.S. Lewis says it so eloquently, and I believe it very, very much applies to the concept of good. Yeah, I got a voice back. That's great. So, if there was no such thing as a source of what is good, we would never know it existed. We know it's a concept. We just can't nail it down, can we? Not 100%, and that's okay. Assumption number two. My good sir in the back there with number two. Yeah. So assumption number two, continuing this, continuing the assumptions. Let's assume we can define what good is. We can nail it out and why we are good. We are assuming that Every person has some good in them, generally speaking. But does every person with good in them deserve to not go to hell? Do they get to go to heaven? Because there's good in them, or because they've done good things, or they have good intentions, or whatever. Now, I have some trouble with that. Because Joseph Stalin had a wife, and he was madly in love with her. And she passed away. And I'm sure... Early in his life, she passed away, and it greatly affected him. He wrote that, and people who knew him that survived his purges wrote that he was madly in love with his wife, and I'm sure his wife saw great things in him. I'm sure she saw good in him, but he did horrible things. He's a horrible man. So, because there was good in him, from one person's subjective perspective, does that mean he gets out of hell? There must be a certain level then, right? If we're following these assumptions, is there a level? Is there a gauge? Is there a, a, a weight on the scale of how good we must be to get into heaven? How do we then measure that? That's my next question. How do we measure how much good someone needs to have? Is there a, is there a this is this good and this is very good? This is not really that good, but it's still good. 
my question here is, does humanity's moral compass, does our concept of what is good and what's not, does it come with a tape measure to measure that? Does it come with a scale? When you measure a table, you start at one side and you measure how long it is to the other point, right? So with a tape measure, do we measure from ourselves and say, I am this good, therefore you are that good, this far away from me, as such? Or do we start at, I'm this bad, I'm this evil, therefore you are this good because you do these better things than me, or you have better intentions or whatever? And either way, whichever end we start at on the table of morality, of what's good, I feel there's something a little biased about that that we're using ourselves or we're, we're comparing to something that we can't really define. But let's assume we can for a little bit. Okay, let's keep these assumptions rolling. And this is where it gets a little real. Thus far, I've been really clinical, haven't I? I'm kind of breaking this down and talking about good and evil like it's abstract and it doesn't apply to our lives. I mentioned Joseph Stalin, a monster of the 20th century. So let me make this personal for you. Because it is. It's personal for each of us. Could have I considered my grandmothers, who I had such a fleeting time with in my life, could I have assumed, could I have considered that they are good, that they were good? My grandfather, who fought in the Pacific theater of World War II, who took lives in war and almost had his taken, and he survived, does he fit the bill as good in our assumptions? A young woman called Cassie, who I knew since she was a little girl, who would jokingly call me koro, which in Māori, New Zealand's language, means... It's a respectful term for an elderly man. She'll jokingly call me grandfather. <laughs> Cassie, who lost her fight with her inner demons. Cassie, who took her own life last year. Was she good? Did Cassie consider me good? If we followed the assumptions, we might be able to answer those questions. But I think we can kind of agree that those assumptions kind of fall apart the moment you ask a couple of quick questions about it. Because I've asked some questions, and based on what I've asked, does anyone here think you can define good? what it is to be a good person. Can we measure that, really, honestly, within ourselves? And if we can't, across space and time, in this generation, define good, if civilizations before us face the same philosophical dilemma of what is good and how do we measure it, then we need to address a very uncomfortable truth in this question and again, I'm going to borrow from C.S. Lewis and his beautiful philosophy here. It's this. When a word ceases to be a term of description, 
and merely becomes a term of praise. It no longer tells you facts about the object. It only tells you about the speaker's attitude towards the object. Of course, I consider my grandfather and my grandmother's good. Of course, I would have called and still called Cassie good. But in light of that quote, in light of that logic, in, in light of the questions I've just been asking, good as a definition to us in this question becomes a little useless because it's all subjective. It's as a term in this question can't define us as individuals or as a collective identity because it's just an attitude. It's valueless. It doesn't actually give us facts about ourselves because this ultimate question is about weighing a scale, isn't it? Why does God send good people to heaven? Well, we're trying to define good and we can't. It's valueless in this question. Therefore, the question is now, why does God send people to hell? To hell? If we can't define good, if it is valueless and useless in this whole context, because it's such a subjective thing that's from our mindset, not from God's, it's that question, isn't it? Why does God send people to hell? And do you want to know the scary, terrifying truth about this? He doesn't. God doesn't. You know why that's terrifying? Because it makes us look at ourselves in this question, because we're the ones asking it. How, what, why, why not? This is the fun part. This is the beautiful part. This is the part I love about this whole subject. <laughs> what I'm talking about here is the gospel. How is that possible? Because Jesus went upon that cross for our redemption, separate from any good that we could ever do. Fast individually and as a species, separate from any concept of a value on our lives, he went up there and he did this amazing thing. He gave us a choice again, a choice to follow him. He gave us a choice to turn back to God. In John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If God wanted to send people to hell, even if we as a finite species of limited mortality and understanding could pin down what good truly meant and we could measure and say, we are this good, take us. Don't send us there. He wouldn't even need to consider us. He wouldn't have even put Jesus on the cross. He would have just let us run our course without any intervention, without any redemption, without any love. His whole definition of God is good. We wouldn't know. In John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's one of the foundations of our faith and it's something we keep forgetting. 
and especially with this question, because it is such a dangerous question. It's so hard, it's so personal, and it, it makes us wonder about such brutal things. If God wanted us to send us there, he wouldn't have even sent Jesus. We wouldn't know about him. We wouldn't be talking here today. We wouldn't have our faith. God is love. God is good. We see it in Psalms 136. We see it in Psalms 100. It declares the Lord is good. The Bible declares God is love. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's a beautiful thing. And so God did send his only begotten son. To quote C.S. Lewis one last beautiful time here. I love him. He's eloquent. He's a great writer. Um, and he's honest about his theology. But to quote him one last time, if you are on the wrong road, progress means turning around and walking back down the right road. And this is written in the 40s. And later, continues in the book, and I didn't write it down up here for you, but I feel I need to add this. The most progressive man is the man who turns around first upon realizing it. God isn't sending good people to hell. He isn't sending people to hell. Humanity chose its path. and We made the wrong choice, and God gave us a choice again. Jesus on that cross gave us a choice again. It's a choice that is free of a loose term that is ill-defined by us, yet it is defined by the one who is giving us that choice. He is good, and here's the definition of it. And he is the one giving us that beautiful choice, a choice that is freely given to us that has nothing to do with who or how we are. We are only role is simply to choose. It is a choice of mercy and of grace. It's a choice of love.